A few months ago, I was at a startup competition, pitching this podcast, actually, and a group of us were standing around these tables for lunch. One of my fellow entrepreneurs, Danny, waved his fork emphatically and was telling us about the Circular 331, a policy set forth by the Central Bank of Lebanon to inject 400 million US dollars into their national startup ecosystem. Imagine, he said, in a country like Lebanon, where our water cuts daily, our electricity cuts daily, we haven't had a president for over a year, and yet they value the importance of startups so much, they're able to implement a policy like this. The wonder in his voice was palpable. And I began thinking, firstly, I had no idea that the infrastructure and politics were so poor in Lebanon. And secondly, if the country was so broken, how on earth does a policy like this pass? And what's happened since? Has this investment actually had an impact on the ecosystem? So today, part one of a series on entrepreneurial ecosystems across the Middle East, we're going to talk about what it's like starting a business in Lebanon. This is Hiba Fisher, and you're listening to Kerning Cultures. Now, before we delve into the story, we wanted to take a quick aside to add another layer of context, and our story would be incomplete without it. Political logjam and inefficiency have defined the Lebanese political landscape for years and years. The Lebanese haven't had a president in over a year, and the parliament without public vote extended their own seats until 2017. And just in the last weeks, activists and citizens went down to the streets in thousands to protest a waste management crisis that has greatly affected the capital of Beirut over the last months. Hills of garbage pile up in the city after the government continues to fail to agree on a solution for waste disposal. Dubbed the hashtag #YouStinkProtests, the piles of trash in is an almost literal metaphor for the capacity of the government. There have been sit-ins, protests, tear gas, live rounds, many injured, and even casualties in what some people are describing as the beginning of the Lebanese spring. And yet, characteristic of the country that continues to survive decades of civil conflicts and border wars, Lebanon pulses on. I myself have yet to visit Lebanon, so I asked some Lebanese friends what it's like there. And the resounding first answer I always get is, it's beautiful, just beautiful. They tell me the landscape is mountainous, there's beaches, there's greenery, the country is small, about 4 million people, and it's representative of such a mix of religions, ethnicities, and influences. Strangers you meet in the street become your instant friends, and every older woman treats you like her own grandchild, meaning she will feed you all of the mezza and appetizers Lebanon is so famous for. The Lebanese speak Arabic, English, and French. There's the thriving arts and culture scene, and Lebanon is known for having some of the most creative talent in the region. I want you to meet one of these creatives, a rock star at heart, who started an events ticketing company in Lebanon that was funded through those circular 331 funds we mentioned earlier. My name is Walid Singer. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Prisella.com. Born and raised in Beirut. I mean, I... I, I I was the guy, when you go to school, you want to go to a party, you would come to me. How do you become that guy? I've always wondered. <laughs> the first rule is to fail at school. Oh, I see. All right? that's, the, that's number one. So I, I, I did that very well. I failed a lot. And I was, uh, I was partying a lot. I was, uh, I was able to get tables at cool places in Beirut for people who were 15 and 16. And this is how it started. And it rolled. Went to college. 
had 14 credit left. Then I was like, I can't pay anymore. It's too expensive. I dropped out. I need to find a job. I, I had nothing. I had nowhere to go. I didn't come from a wealthy family. So I, I found a, an ad for a competition for entrepreneurship and to launch your idea. I signed up. What year was this? That was 2012. Was this sequence? Was that this was sequence. Walid signs up for this competition at Sequence, the first accelerator in Lebanon. An accelerator, by the way, is a program that helps literally accelerate startups with training and funding. Perhaps the best person to speak to about Sequence is Samir Karam, the man who started it. My name is Samir Karam, and I've been in uh, the startup space in Lebanon for the last seven years, maybe. After studying abroad, Samir moves back to Beirut and started his first tech company in 2007. As he developed the business over the next two years, he was looking around him and realized how rare his kind of entrepreneurship was at the time. And I was feeling like, hey, there's nothing in Lebanon to support entrepreneurs. I mean, there were no investors at the time. There were very, 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 very few tech entrepreneurs. Um, there was no cohesiveness to what was going on. So everybody, every person was on their own. And when you wanted to fundraise or you wanted to hire or you wanted to uh, get support, you had to do everything on your own. So I founded Sequence um, in April 2010 to make the community in Lebanon cohesive and connected with all the different communities across the region. Sequence started out in 2010, first as a co-working space and startup advisory, where Samir invited all of his entrepreneurial friends to work alongside each other. And this is how some of the most well-known startups we know from Lebanon today, like Cinemoz, a site for streaming Arabic films, or Zumel, a crowdfunding site, have passed through Sequence at one time or another, either as co-workers or as participants of Sequence's first class of its full-fledged accelerator that it began in 2012. Selecting this first Sequence class began as a competition, the same competition Walid saw the ad for when he was trying to figure out his plan B after college. Come in with your idea on a paper. Okay. You are 400 people, four teams, over 25 teams. 400 people responded to this Yes. Wow. Okay. And they, they all came to one rooftop. It was called the Mixer. There was booze. And there was three different name tags, a green one, a yellow one, and a red one. Green for developer, yellow for business, and red for design. They put us on the rooftop, they're like, yellow, mix up, make teams. I mean, there was 23 teams that came out. And then these 23 teams were assigned tasks. Every day there was something to do. And in the end, there was a, a sort of a hackathon, a three-day hackathon, for you to put that idea and that team into execution and provide a minimum viable product. And then, after this, they chose eight teams. And each one of those teams would get $76,000, half of them in kind, half of them cash, and six months of residency inside of Sequence to take that idea to market. And we created Priscilla. Priscilla is an event ticketing site where you can create events that are only confirmed when the number of attendees you want to show up actually pay for their tickets. So what is it like starting a business in Lebanon? It's challenging. It was very challenging. It was hard to get people to understand what we were doing. It was hard from the logistics side. In Beirut, you graduate, you go to mommy and daddy and they help you. In Beirut, you graduate, you go to, you, you, you take your dad's place. There isn't this initiative of doing your own thing. And if you want to do it, you would open a sandwich shop. You wouldn't go and create a mobile app. You wouldn't go create a website. I mean, clients don't understand us. They're like, what are you talking about? You're not a company. What is a startup? Something that doesn't make money. What is that? Your parents, you have a lot of parents' pressure. It's like, you don't have college, what are you gonna do? Open a company? How can you do that? 
It doesn't work. Your mom, it's an accelerator. Full accelerator. Okay. What do you mean? You're fast? No. You get anyway. Don't worry. And then when when we appeared on Al Nahar newspaper on the front page of Al Nahar newspaper, yeah. then you're like, okay, you're doing something. Now. It's, very, <laughs> it's very hard. Priscilla graduates from Sequence, and like any startup, needed to fundraise and fast. Once we were done with Sequence, we weren't profit. We weren't profitable, just like any startup. We weren't making enough money to pay ourselves, and we needed to survive because it was either this or we had to find jobs and live. So what happened was, Nicholas Sahnawi, the Minister of Telecommunication, actually made the initiative to create a demo day of his own and invited rich people from his network, individuals and CEOs, hosted us at his sister's venue on his expense, put five startups on stage and had all his friends watch us pitch. It was a closed room kind of event, nobody knew about it. But the sequence startups, Samir Karam, Minister Sahnawi, and these kind of, and these guys. And th- these guys are not called the Beirut Angels. The presentation had a very positive impact because most people had never seen something like that. At the time, the Minister of Telecom decided that this was maybe something the central bank might be interested in taking a look at. Four or six weeks from that presentation, Circular 331 was created. Hi, Marianne. Yes, hi, Eva. My name is uh, Marianne Hwayek. I'm the head of the governor's executive office of the Central Bank of Lebanon. So this circular, this uh, 331 circular, uh, mainly introduced for the first time in Lebanon the possibility of equity financing through banks. So it enables banks to invest up to 3% of their capital in companies operating in the knowledge economy. And what is really amazing and interesting is that the central bank will guarantee 75% of the investment. Let's break this down a little bit. For the first time in Lebanon, actually for the first time to the best of my knowledge across the Middle East and much of the rest of the world, a central bank of a country is stimulating entrepreneurship by subsidizing the cost and risk of investing for banks. Now, I want you to appreciate this for a moment. Banks are perhaps one of the most traditional institutions in our modern societies, historically desperate to avoid any risks with their money. And they are, for the first time, making equity investments in not big, established, safe bets of companies, but in the early stage, new and very risky startup companies. Through the Circular 331, the Central Bank of Lebanon encourages banks to invest up to 3% of their deposits in startups, effectively creating more than $400 million worth of funds that are now available to the ecosystem. So it was kind of, I mean, I think Samer was spearheading the Circular with Nicholas Sahnawi, the Minister of Telecommunication, and a few bunch of people in the ecosystem in Beirut were finding ways to really de-risk startup investments and push the entrepreneurial scene because they kind of noticed that, I mean, if you have 100 to 500 startups that can come out of Beirut, two of them can reach unicorn status, and that's $1 billion valuation each, and that's huge for the GDP, and that's huge for the Lebanese economy. These stuff were indication that, listen, let's invest in the ecosystem. On an economic level, uh, we are talking about a 1% growth uh, in the coming three years that this particular could be generating. Uh, we think that this will create thousands of jobs. Of these 400 million plus, uh, so far around 200 million have been deployed into VC funds. 
VCs are venture capital funds, funds that specialize in investing in startups and growing companies. Which need to deploy that money in the next four to five years. So effectively, in the next four to five years, uh, the VC funds that have been created in the last year will need to deploy between 30 and 50 million dollars a year uh, in order to meet their mandate. Since the circular passed in August 2013, the first company to receive funding was Priscilla, Willie's company. And then Simon messages us and is like, okay, so we have people interested. I'm like, okay, how interested? They're like, they're ready to pay now. Let's do a term sheet. I'm like, whoa, what's happening? He's like, this is circular coming up. Bank Al Mawarid, they want to be the first bank to ever invest in a startup under that circular, and they chose Priscilla. I was like, no, <laughs> no, are you serious? Like, yes, they want to put this much. I'm like, wait, wait, we can't give out this much. He's like, they want to put this much money. They want to do this. And we're like, whoa, it's too good. They raised $200,000 last year. Since, four or five other companies have been funded, and the momentum is picking up. Now we're up at $1.1 million worth of ticket sales in Beirut and Dubai only. But I mean, for a company that comes from Beirut, where there's no electricity, no president, <laughs> and uh, not, no stability, I think it's pretty good. So there's no stability, no president, and yet the central bank's able to come up with a policy like this? Beirut is, is divided into religion, is into political parties, and you have departments doing their job better than others. But we've always known that the banking structure in Beirut has been healthy. The currency has been solid, and it hasn't been affected a lot by politics. That's why they were able to create this very progressive kind of initiative while the electricity company is still cutting us off six hours a day. <laughs> Seriously, six hours a day. Marian, who gets to access these funds? What's the criteria for applying? The first element is that the company should have innovation and creativity. The second element or the condition of the circular is that the company should have a new technology, should be using a new technology. The third condition is that the company should be a Lebanese SAL. A Lebanese SAL is a type of company structure, like an LLC, for instance. So you have innovation, technology, and a Lebanese SAL. This Lebanese SAL should be incorporated in Lebanon, uh, it means it should have its uh, main activities in Lebanon and its main office in Lebanon. The criteria is so simple. It's not even limited to Lebanese nationals. It's open to everybody, which, as we cover some of the other startup ecosystems around the region, you'll see that that isn't the typical case. Most often, you need to be a national of a country to receive benefits like these. But for the circular, the company just needs to be incorporated and operating in Lebanon. And this is a remarkable move on the part of the central bank because they're concerned with stimulating their economy and they're agnostic as to whether it's Lebanese who are doing it. But as Marianne says, they do hope this move will attract some of the estimated 9 million of the Lebanese diaspora brain drain who have left the country to come back to Lebanon. And this is what is really important about this circular, that you are attracting these Lebanese that have left. They have left their country, but they are still attached to it. And they want to come back now because uh, they are ready to incorporate here in Lebanon. But here's the thing. Lebanon has been living through wars and civil conflicts for decades. 
Today, the tragedy of the Syrian civil war spills into the Lebanese borders, and while by many accounts living in Beirut, you're quite shielded from the rest, there are very real catastrophes inside this country to deal with. I've actually been speaking to Elid from Dubai this whole time because he moved here last year. I'll let him explain. So we had a big party in Beirut about a year and a half ago. Huge, huge event that was going to change the whole landscape. An organizer came and did it. Millions of dollars to be invested. Creamfield was called. It was Creamfield? It was Creamfield. Okay. Huge lineup of DJs. We were supposed to make a lot of money. It was the perfect party for Beirut, and it has never been done before. The major festival for Beirut. One day before the event, Obama went on TV and said he was going to bomb Syria. One day before the event, when everything was built, the stages, the setup, the sound, when the money was pulled, everything was built, everything was ready. It is in the national security interests of the United States to respond to the Assad regime's use of chemical weapons through a targeted military strike. And with that statement that Obama did, that organizer lost over a million dollars. And every single artist that was confirmed for that party canceled on the night. It was a disaster. A week later, there was an explosion in downtown, and a person I knew in my school that died in that explosion, a kid, an 18-year-old. This happened, and then this happened. And these were, for me, these were a big punch in the face, because like I told you, I want to live in, I want to retire in Beirut. I want to spend every single money I make in Beirut. I want to be in Beirut. I want to be somebody in Beirut. I don't care about the world. I want Beirut. So when I heard these two, that was, that for me, that was going back. I was, I don't want this anymore. Why is this happening? I can't anymore. I, I, I am so discouraged because it's so close to home. It was, it was the moment we realized that Beirut is a very risky market to stay in and put all our funds in for now. We did traction there. We had a lot of people using us. Let's keep our office. Let's hire a few people to manage the operation. Let's get more clients there. But the main founder team, which is me and Loi, had to relocate to Dubai if we want to scale our business. I always said Beirut is the perfect launchpad, and it was for me, and it will be for a lot of others. But it's just a launchpad. Samir, what excites you about the future of the startup scene in Lebanon? Uh, there's a there's hopefully a chance for more talented and experienced, educated people who have never found opportunities in Lebanon to to see Lebanon as a destination for their skills and their and their expertise. And once this becomes a trend, there will be hopefully a, re- a reversal of the brain drain. Uh, and if that happens, then all, a lot of the problems of Lebanon solve themselves because once you once once you repopulate the country with highly educated, highly experienced, highly uh, committed people to a country as opposed to a um, belief, once once the commitment becomes to Lebanon, then uh, Lebanon may have a chance of standing on its own two feet and building its economy out of uh, the stagnation that it has experienced over the last 30, 40 years. Uh, funnily enough, I was having a discussion with someone who, who published a newsletter in AUB, uh, American University of Beirut, in the 70s, just before the Civil War broke out. And he was telling me how he published one of the first newsletters of his specific department university, had a big brain on the front cover, and under it, the big uh, in big bold letters, uh, reversing the brain drain. And this was a problem in 1973. So this was before the mass exodus, before the civil war, before all of this, there was a problem with brain drain. So, so it's interesting to look, to look at it 40 years later and be like, wow, this is, this is impressive. I, I'm, 
I'm surprised that uh, <coughs> that this problem has existed long before there were enough problems for it to exist. I actually look at it as a testament to the nature of the country. If, the, if it existed before there were problems, then it means the problems are not the reason why it exists. And therefore, the solution may be possible without having to solve all of the problems. This was the first episode in our series of startup scenes across the Middle East. There's also a published article accompanying this piece with more details, so be sure to check that out on EgyptianStreets.com and KerningCultures.com. If you want to hear more from some of the guests on today's show, we're featuring their in-depth profiles along with a few others on our website too. Thanks, and until next time.